this this lockdown stuff, quote unquote lockdown, makes me crazy. We aren't locked down. People yeah, are I, people are calling it quarantine and lockdown and shut up. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really been staying in the house, so it's not like I'm really losing much. I just can't, I just don't have to go to work, so you know I still get up and go to work four to five days a week, and I stop at the store because I got to get stuff. I'll have to run to the store to get stuff for the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Life is not that much different. The, the yeah. biggest hindrance is you can't go to a restaurant and have a sit-down meal. You have to go to the restaurant, get your meal, and take it home. Or have them bring I it honestly, to you. I honestly don't mind that. Because DoorDash is delivering free for most people. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just, it, it's one of those things that makes me crazy because all these people, oh, we're quarantined, blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, you're not. You're not even close to quarantine. Quarantine no. is what they did in China, where they literally put people in their houses at gunpoint. You come out, we'll shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I feel like it's gonna blow over. It blew over faster in China than it's gonna blow over here, just because of the whole fact that people actually aren't listening. But it, it's. I, China's ahead of the curve because they were able to put people in their houses and make them stay there. Uh, here, all they're trying to do is slow the the progression, you know, lower the curve. It just it's going to drag it out longer. That's all it's going to do. I just hope we're racing by middle of May. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go crazy if we don't go if we're not racing by midnight. What the hell are you talking about? Go crazy. <laughs> we're we're already pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna lose my sanity, I guess, because right now I'm just trapped in my house. Can't really do much besides some of my girlfriends and Yeah. Well, about it. <laughs> I I like the plural on there, the girlfriends. <laughs> I said girlfriend. <laughs> I didn't even. No, no, no. Like my girlfriend's house. <laughs> yeah, you better make sure you clear that one up before she hears this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I do not have two or multiple. <laughs> <clears throat> wow, excuse me. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. You're good. <laughs> Well, this is the Renegades on Dirt podcast, and this is Randy. Kaylee's got the day off, and we are on the phone with, I'm going to screw your last name up, and I know it for sure, but Carter Chevalier, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How about you? <laughs> I'm alive and kicking so far. You know, uh, well, you got my name right, so that's the first win. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a bonus. I don't, I, you know, I've watched you guys race, and Every racetrack announcer says it just a little bit different. So it's it's really hard <laughs> to understand what the names really are sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, the announcers stick with the series. They normally come up and ask me or text me or something and figure it out. But it's it's the just tracks you go to that you race a one-off race where people, they, they say Chevalier or something like that. It, it kind of annoys me, but 
I mean, there's not much you can do about it. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, you're, you're you're not in the booth with them all the time going, hey, that's not it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for the most part, the UMSS, um, and I, was, I always blank on his name. Terry. I always on Terry. Yeah, it's Terry. He always gets it right, and Austin, so I made that he gets it right, so. That's the main thing. Just two series of race with normally, so it's it's the French version. Chevalier. Yeah, yeah well we you got it right, so <laughs> I'm happy with that. <laughs> now you're a regular competitor with the UMSS in both the wings and the non wings, right? Just the wings. Oh, you big weenie. <laughs> <laughs> Take them wings off and run with the little boys too. Come on. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm gonna have to try it this year since um, Kaylee Emerson help, is helping us out be able to run the UMSS this year. We're we're gonna kind of go in half on a car. We're gonna it's gonna be our car with his engine in it, right? And it's gonna be interesting. We're gonna split some seat time between the two of us. I mean, okay. it'd be nice to try to try to get take the wing off and see what happens, but. Mainly just focus on the wings. That's where I want to go with my career. So we're going to see. I mean, we got that 360 deal going on, and that's where I think if I can do good in that, see what happens later down the road a few years from now. Just focus on the wings and see what happens. I mean, right. it, it helps. It's, it's all relatively the same. Sprint cars handle the same. Um, when you're off the gas, when you're on the gas, I mean, with the wing, I don't know how they handle without the wing because I've only driven a nine wing once. That's my first time ever in a sprint car. So, um, from what I from what I understand, it's uh, you take the training wheels off and go race. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, <laughs> a little bit of tongue in cheek sarcasm there, but um, everybody that I've talked to said the wings are make the car a lot more stable. And you actually drive it just a little bit different. I don't know. I don't yeah. drive them. I just talk about them. Yeah. <laughs> well, the one thing I'll say about the nine wing guys is the USAC guys are absolutely crazy. I will never go to Knoxville or Eldora in one of those things. Those things are freaking crazy. It's, it, those guys are the what, the reason I love sprint cars. Watch a guy like Robert yeah. Ballou when he pitches it sideways at the flag stand. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, I would get in one at like Hobstock. That would be cool. That'd be really cool just to see because it's a short track. It's a little boring. Oh, multiple lanes. It'd be, it'd be cool to watch. Go down, go down to Central Indiana. Oh yeah, around Indianapolis where they got all those little tiny bull rings. Uh, Terre Haute. They're absolutely amazing to watch there. Yeah, they are just God. <laughs> you'll you'll yeah. stand there with your mouth open all night eating dirt and and not care. <laughs> I think I saw last year when Usac went to Mox, so they had more straightaway speed than the wing guys, and I guess you'd somewhat think that just because they don't have a wing on it, but they won't be able to carry as much corner speed as the wing guys, and they still have more. And the straightaway speed. So that's that's pretty nuts, considering the four ten guys at Knoxville are like one forty at the end of the straightaway. So right, that's, right, that's insane. So where did you get started in racing? Um, well, my dad raced 
when he was a kid, he raised go-karts and his dad and his sister were pretty involved, but he and my, my grandpa still is involved in my racing program. I was me out a lot. And, uh, my dad just kind of took control of what he wanted to do. And that was go racing. He started racing modifieds, think end of high school, beginning of college. And, um, he did that for a few years and I think he just stopped doing that once, once him and my mom kind of got married and had me and my brother and he's, he raced road carts for a while and maybe a year or two, I think. Okay. Um, just what he, whatever he could race at the time. And I think it was Oh seven. He got into an outlaw cart 500, um, back at, at West Underhill, you know, the track Gunner and Chad on. Um, he raced there for a few years up in Superior. They had a cart track, and I remember going there and watching. Um, then back in 2010, it was 2009, my parents got me a cart. No, it was 2010. Because uh, when they told us to shoot out, they had the carts there. Okay. Um, and they picked up, my dad raced there. He won one year against like Kyle Arson and Rico. And, all those guys. So I think it was, that was 2009. Then in 2010, he went back and bought, got a cart there. Cause that was the biggest cart race back then. if I remember that, right. And I could be wrong, but it was, <laughs> it was huge. And, um, he got the cart there, brought it back. We built it. Again, that was just a box stock. And I was like eight years old. So raced that for a year, took a break for a while. Just, you know, had to, I was getting into hockey at that time, so okay. didn't really have a whole lot of time for racing. Um, then I think 2000, the summer of 2014, we had a talk. I, I've been wanting to, I had been wanting to race since I stopped, and I was like 14, 15 at the time. And okay. Got a cart from Steve Reynolds, now owns Midget Team in Illinois, I want to say. And that was our first cart. We raced that cart. As a 125 and race at Thunderhill, um, kind of just we didn't have too much success our first year, but we didn't do too bad. Okay. Um. Next year they combined the class, the 125 and the 250s, just because the car counts were going down. I mean, some some of the guys would go race modifieds in the 250s. Uh, I can think of one that was just absolutely he he raced 250 against 500s and just straight away them and he went and raced modifieds. Um so we were in the one twenty fives, two fifties and won I wanna say four races that year and won the points championship in the one twenty five, won the state championship in the wing and the wingless. Then next year well later that year we got a five hundred and raced a little bit. I think my first night out I won in it. And the next year we went we were going to race both 125s and 500s. And first night out, we won. First night out of 2017, we won the opening night of for both classes. Ended up winning the points championship in the 500s that year. And made the Knoxville Cut National Lane Main. Um, won the Indy Outlaw, Indy Outlaw Cards race against like Kevin Thomas Jr., Tyler Courtney, Justin Grant, and Tanner Thorson. Um, so you put some pretty, pretty big names behind you. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was pretty fun. Heart. That was like one of my first experiences racing against guys that do it for a living, and it was at the time being like 15, 16 years old. It's really hard to keep your head cool when you're leading a race like that because you know, like it, even it, though it's, it's not exciting. Their, yeah, I mean, even though it's not your, even though it's not like their day job to go race outlaw cards, it's still like they're trying to win. And these guys have a lot more experience than I do, so it was kind of nerve wracking at the same time, but. <laughs> Yeah, and then 2018, we had pretty good success in 2017. 2018, we decided to go race nationally with Outlaw Cart. I went down to Millbridge in North Carolina, run the Speed 51 Open. Um, that didn't go too well. I mean, just lack of experience, I guess, really showed compared to some of the guys that I'm, that race nationally out with Outlaw Carts. And it just kind of showed that I needed to really need to get up on the ball and start, start, you know, picking pick up my game. And around that time, I started, well, 2018, I started racing sprint cars as well, kind of as like a secondary to the outlaw cars that year, just because we wanted to see what we could do nationally. Um, and I'm sure you've heard of the KCAM Give Back Classic, where the winner of that Millbridge race in October got a KCAM ride for the Chili Bowl. Went down there, didn't do too bad, but didn't do too well. I think we finished middle, front of the B-Main, didn't transfer. Um, but going back in 2018, really, just getting laps in the sprint car was was big. I mean, we didn't have, by any means, we did not have set up where we needed to be. It was so unpredictable, so, so hard to drive. I mean, it, part of it was me just not being used to a car with a suspension, and part of it was, I think, we just needed to, get things dialed in and figure out like where to go. And right. that even carried over the beginning of 2019. Really just, we, we had an one off car that we bought and we did some, we did some measurements after a few races. Just cause I could not keep the car underneath me. No matter it was tacky or slick, it was super unpredictable. And I had Craig Delansky watching me and he was like, you know, you're, you're throwing it in way too hard. And, I'm like, really? It just seems too loose. Like, I just can't get a hidden come underneath. He's like, no, you're really tight. So we loosened up the car, and that didn't really do, didn't really have an effect. Just kept doing the same thing. So what ended up happening, we had, we had to cut off the um, shock towers. Okay. Move them, like, an inch higher, I want to say. We changed the Jacob's ladder geometry a little bit. and I mean, that really helped with the handling of the car. And the car just came to life after that. I mean, after that, I was... I think the first race out, I led 15 laps in my first sprint car race. and um, From there, it was, especially in the UMSS car, really, we started to make big leaps. And I think the thing that opened up our eyes was the 360 is a triple X, and that's what we've been trying to get on for, since we started racing sprint cars. Okay. Um, and that car handled just completely different, super predictable, super, um, super stable, and we got in the when I get in, when I got in that car, it was it was kind of amazing how I could go around anywhere I want. I wasn't fast in my first few races or anything. So I not I still don't think I'm that fast in 360, but I think that it kind of opened up our eyes. Like this car that we have for UMS is just not not right. So we did that and came to life. It was predictable. Um, won a heat race or two. 
let it let a few features start up front and I think we were consistently in the redraw most nights for the UMSS, so that was good. Um, still, we got that win, but I think <laughs> it'll come. It, it'll come. I don't, just don't want to force it, you know. And you know, just see what happens. Right now, <clears throat> the transition from carts into this into the sprint car had to have been a major <laughs> learning curve. Because yeah. I mean, well, you're, uh, the power to weight ratio is uh, probably about the same, uh, but now you're sitting higher. You got a whole different aspect. The the thing drives completely different. Um, what was that like for you? Well, it was hard considering, um, you know, you hear people talking about how outlaw carts are the stepping stone to sprint cars and. I always talked about Matt Johnson, you know, he came from outlaw cars, he races sprint cars at Knoxville. And we all joke, we always joke about like, you know, it's people always say it's an easy jump when it's really not. Um, it's hard because in outlaw carts, when you want the cart to turn, you just get on, you get off the gas and the thing will rotate. We're in a sprint car and you get off the gas, it just pushes. And that took me a while to get coordinated with my feet just to realize like when you let off the gas, you're going to go straight in the wall. So you got to let off you had to back up your corner a lot more and um, drive with the gas more than you would being with the steering wheel. And it took me, took me quite a while. And I think even to the beginning part of last year, really to figure that out. And once I did it, it, it started to come naturally and the car started to become second nature. Right. It started to become secondary compared to the, the, the sprint cars. Whereas before it was always, it was always that lot carts were, easier for me to drive for the sprint cars, but now I feel like the sprint cars are easier for me to drive in the car just because I raced them more last year and I'm more comfortable and more just in sync and in tune with the car, I guess. And the the whole thing with the suspension is tough too because you last few times in the sprint car I thought when I entered the corner hard I thought I was gonna flip because I didn't I I'm not used to having the car roll over on I me mean, especially if you see them in, on T V and Dirt vision, you see them rolling over the left. When you enter the corner, they, they roll over on the right, and you don't see that. And I was like, what, why is it doing this? And <laughs> you, you just you just get used to that, and you understand, like, what's going on once you figure out, like, and see video. Like, okay, this, this is where it, this is what it's like. I mean, it's just the G-Force is pulling you. It's not the car. I right. mean, it took me a while, but I, it, it started to get easier, I guess. Well, that, that big right rear tire is like a... Kaylee Emerson calls it a pillow. Says, yeah. you, you get into the corner, you put it on the pillow, and just hang on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it's definitely a. I I, I don't really want to call it a pillow because I, I feel like if you hit the wall with it, it's not going to cushion you. So, <laughs> well, um, there is that. It's, I, but you know, if if you look at it from going from the cart where you get into that corner and everything is just stiff and rigid and in the sprint car you go into the corner and it kind of it it's a lot smoother transition yeah um, so so there's I, that cushioning effect of that big right rear it, 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 it's, it's just it's like leaning up against a wall with a pillow on it <laughs> yeah I, I i see that I will say though, I feel like the transitions when 
from straight at a corner and carts are actually smoother just because it's you don't got as much lateral G's. Yeah, lateral G's and uh, just components working together. I feel like when you enter the corner, especially when you're on the top in a sprint car, you feel everything just like shift. Where in a cart, it's it's usually pretty smooth unless the track's rough. And um, I, it just took me a while to get used to to everything really with from the cart to the sprint car because I just become so coordinated with the carts where I knew what it was going to do as soon as it, like before it even happened. And the sprint cars are kind of, it's hard to break your habits, but what, what, like what you're expecting. So right. I think, I think, you know, realizing like what's going to happen when I, you know, let off the gas and scrub the brake a little bit. It just, it took time for sure. And I'd imagine the pedal sequencing is, a little interesting to get used to because the sprint car brake works. It It's an actual brake, but the way you activate it, the pedal is just so much different. Yeah. You know, because it's almost like you kick the brake forward instead of step on it with your toes. Yeah. I didn't really find that to be too hard. I, it was mainly just like, you know, when to use it because – we bought our cars from our first cars from Brooke Tatnell and he helped us out a lot, okay. just helping me out and telling me like, you know, I start scrum break here. And I think I, I listened to that and I tried it and just, you have to find what works for you. And I don't really think that, like the actual mechanical aspect was too hard. I mean, yeah, probably my first time or two, I, I struggled probably a little bit, but um, I, I think mainly just, when to activate or when to use it was really the, the tough part just because um, it, it's a whole lot different. I mean, the cart, you, you scrub brake just to keep the car stable when you're going through ruts. I mean, you don't, you don't really scrub it to, I want to say, turn the car because you can just do that with the gas. Whereas right. in a sprint car, I mean, you don't really got to worry about the ruts a whole lot, especially around here. Um, you just got to do that to get the car to enter and keep the attitude you want, you want to. So there's just some figuring out what you want the car to do. Okay. So you kind of do steer it with the brake, but more so with the gas afterwards. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to, I don't want to get all the way out of the gas and I don't want to get all in the brake at the same time. And then you got, you got to have it, you know, mixed. And I, I start, you can really tell in the three sixties, you know, when you're doing it right, because you have a lot more power going through the drivetrain. Right. And you can feel like the the abrupt the abrupt change in the speed and the drive shaft and the rear wheels because if you let off the gas too much, I mean you you lose a lot of traction because you're not you just break the tires loose even though you're not on the gas. I mean it seems weird, but it's true. And you have to find the happy medium, um, and that's just the tough part because no one can really tell you what. You know, what happy medium is because you got to feel it for yourself. Right. Right. And part part of the sense of a driver. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is the Renegades on Dirt podcast. We will be back in just a couple of minutes. We're going to pay some bills here quick, and we'll be back with more with Carter Chevalier.
Palmer's Tavern in downtown Hitting, Minnesota has been a park edition tradition for 75 years. Stop in and check out their signature Donato Burger. It's absolutely mouthwatering. They got bone-in and boneless hot wings, beer on tap, and 12 big-screen TVs to watch the games on. Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota Wild, it doesn't matter. You're going to catch every shot, touchdown, and goal. Don't forget, check out their daily rotating specials. That's Palmer's Tavern in downtown Hibbing, Minnesota, a park edition tradition for 75 years. Palmer's Tavern. Check them out on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Palmer's Tavern. Old World Meats in Hermitown, Minnesota brings you a fresh new line of snack sticks. Beef snack sticks that are juicy, moist, tender, everything you want to be from a snack stick. And they come in about 30 different flavors. They keep rotating through the flavors. It's hard to keep track of them. My favorite, barbecue honey. Honey barbecue, however you want to say it. Absolutely to die for snack sticks. Old World Meats down in Hermantown, Minnesota. The Residual family making beef products for 75 years. Thanks a lot to Old World Meats. Hey, are you feeling a little run down? Need a little pick-me-up? Got to get that little boost of energy to get you to the end of the day? Grab yourself a liquid nitro herbal energy shooter. Comes in a variety of flavors, a little three-ounce size. Going to give you enough power to get to the finish line. If you don't think that's quite enough for you, get yourself a 16-ounce can. <clears throat> a variety of flavors available in that. My favorite, Tropical Storm. Liquid Nitro Energy Drink, giving you the power to get to the finish line. And that's noble. All right, this is the Renegades on Dirt Podcast. This is Randy. We're back, and we are on the phone with Carter Chevalier, and we have been talking about Carter's career up to this point and getting him into the sprint cars out of go-karts. And we've also got to take just a quick second and thank Rob and the gang at TCB Speed North getting on board with us this year. Uh, the guys at TCB Speed North doing a great job with getting you everything that you need to get your sprint cars up and running they'll get you chassis adjustments and help you get your car set up uh, they can do chassis repairs and put like wing spuds on and do all that great stuff the guys at tcb speed north rob cahill motorsports um you got to thank them a lot for their support this year and carter we know your dad is a big supporter of the UMSS series with P1 Performance. Um, and he's another parts supplier that's doing a lot with the series. And you've got this little thing going on on the side now with iRacing. How did, how did this deal come about? Um. Well... I'll first say my dad has been trying, you know, to grow his business for the race community for, you know, for how I don't even know how long. It's it's been a while. He he's been working really hard and trying 
trying to grow his reputation, grow his brand, so it's he can help out sprint car racers locally and nationally. And we're we're somewhat to the point of nationally in the kart side, sprint car side we're not quite there, and I think it'll take a few more years. But um, you know, he's really been trying to grow that, and I think it's great that he's partnering with the MSS because you need parts at the track whether you like it or not. You're you're gonna crash, and you're gonna you're gonna need tires, you're gonna blow on, and you're gonna run out of tread or something. You, you just never know. So I think having a part spot at the track really helps because um, you just never know what's going to happen. But the whole iRacing thing, um, I I think it was probably before, I want to say like 2015, 2016, I was looking online because I was tired of playing the, the Xbox game, the World Outlaws, that thing just isn't, isn't no fun. Um, it, it was fun at first, but I mean, it, it, it's not realistic. And um, I found iRacing and they were, they're saying, oh, dirt's coming, you know, in April. I was like, okay, cool. Well, I didn't really know much about it at the time, so I just had a laptop, and I got it on there, and it did not run iRacing well whatsoever. And <laughs> I ran, ran on that for a few months, and then I got a gaming computer because it would just glitch, and it, it was bad. Got that gaming computer, and it started to, started to figure stuff out. I think it was before I started racing sprint cars, the year before. So, right. 2017 maybe, um, and tried to figure out like how it would handle when I got off the gas and like how it enter the corner, what what to do with my wing stuff. Even though the, the wing stuff is pretty similar with the carts, but um, it trying to figure out setups because the setups, the, the adjustments themselves, they're very similar. It's the numbers that are off, but I mean, if you can figure out what to do with what adjustments to make, it helps a lot with the real life stuff. But um, I mean, I met a lot of friends on there. Sammy Mars, his dad's Jimmy Mars. Um, I've known him from carts for a long time now, and uh, he got iRacing a few years ago. We've been playing a lot. Um, they have leagues on there where you can win money, you run for points, stuff like that. Right. Me and him started doing that. Um, I guess. He, top tier drivers and to be honest some of these drivers on here are better than some of the real life ones just because they can spend so much more time on the game and get better at it it is a simulator but and the track does come in you know pretty similarly every race but i think the fact that i mean you have to have finesse still around the top and on the bottom i mean it helps with your driving skills but we met my buddy Mason Hannigan, uh, his dad's Randy Hannigan, raced with Outlaws for a while. Um, uh, us three started a league uh, in October just to run. It was a Monday night at that point because there wasn't leagues running on a Monday night. and Something happened in the Irish community where the top league decided to like disband and change their stuff up. So we, we made a league. Um, didn't go too well. I mean, it was run pretty well, um, but we didn't get a whole lot of cars and, you know, we just got our name out there, got likes on Facebook and stuff, and just ran leagues for a while, got our names, you know, got our names out there in our racing community. And, um, then the whole quarantine thing happened, and I think, I don't even know how the conversation came up. I, I want to say, oh, it was in December, and I, we were, me, Ron, and Kaylee were all talking about, it wasn't just me, Ron, and Kaylee, it was Terry, and, there was other people in that meeting too, but we were talking about the iRacing side of things. And um, 
They're like, yeah, we'd love to get a league up here in the fall and see what happens, you know, like it just helped get people, give people a chance, you know, to get in a real sprint car. And even if they can't afford it, you know, it helps them get good experience and see what happens. And, you know, so that, that happened and we just kind of let it sit for a few months and the whole quarantine thing started happening. And, you know, I think Ron texted me, Ron or Kaylee, and we started talking about it and we're like, well, we should do a four-race series because we don't know how long this is going to last at this point. And I think it was in end, mid to end of March. And we're like, yeah, we'll throw, we'll throw together a four-race series if our format somewhat, you know. Because um, this year they're going to do the points thing. Right. And they're going to do, I think it's like top eight or ten in points. Uh, they haven't picked a number yet, I don't think. Uh, at least I don't know of one. But um, they're going to do that. The top ten, eight or ten in points are in race like a, a feature at the end of the, at the, end of the year. And the winner of that is the points champion. So they wanted to incorporate that with that with our series. So what we're doing is we're going to do four race series, um, and the top ten points are going to be in the finale at Knoxville after the races, and then they're going to do a twenty lap feature. And the winner of that race will get a night in a winner winless GMS sprint car. And uh, we got. We have a lot of people in there, a lot of good drivers in there, um, and it's it's the the winner of this race deserves to be in a sprint car. I feel like there's a few guys that I think you know are really good, and yeah. they they don't have the opportunities just because of where they live or their home situation. So I think it's nice. And then just the second and third place guys of that race will also get. Uh, 10 free laps and arrive and drive at Cedar Lake this year. So it's it's not just the winner. And, um, you know, we're trying to make it make it so people have opportunities, you know, to get in a sprint car. Trying to also grow the brand of EMSs and the Renegades because they're doing something that's never been done before in sprint car you know, racing. It's, they're trying to be a national sanction, I guess with different series inside of it. So I think that's kind of cool. I mean, and it's all going to be the same rules. So well, it'll, it'll cool. be, it'll be the renegades brand and then yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll have the sub series. It'd be, okay. it'd, yeah. it'd be like the main series kind of like NASCAR does. Cause it'll be the renegades brand, the renegades racing. And then the, the UMSS, the Northern renegades, the Western renegades, um, the Shawamagon Renegades, or Shawamagon, <laughs> Shawamagon. <laughs> sorry, Eric. Well, I'm sorry for for butchering that whole description. Then I, you know, I had it off. I had it off in my head a little bit. Well, you were you were you were right in the in the ballpark. It just uh, Renegades Racing is going to be the parent, and then UMSS Western. Uh, the Northern Renegades, the Shawamagon Renegades, and then anybody else that comes in, they'll all be covered under the blank, uh, the the blanket umbrella of Renegades Racing. Yeah. And I, from what I've been hearing, the interest nationally for Renegade, the Renegades style of racing is growing tremendously because it's an affordable way to run. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think everything's gone out of control right now with the 305s. 
look at the 305s or $15,000 to get a decent race saver engine. Look at the 360s. I mean, that was supposed to be a class that, you know, wasn't as expensive as 410s. And now, literally, to go to an Oxford 360, it's 5000 less than a 410. It's ridiculous. I mean, you're, you're spending $60,000 on a 360 engine. And to go race the ASCS Tour, it's beyond ridiculous to get those engines. And it, you need something <laughs> that is very cost-effective, but get to go sprint car racing and that's what the renegades is right yeah i just saw an ad the other day for an ascs 360 a used motor now granted it's a solid motor uh, but it was eleven thousand five hundred bucks and yeah and like, that's cheap in the community too that's 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 really cheap for ascs 360 and it, it, it's just way out of control at this point um I saw Brian Brown or Jamie Ball. I don't know who it was. Uh, they had a Knoxville 360 engine that had, I want to say, 10 races on it, maybe for 20 to 30,000. And that's 10 races at Knoxville on that engine. So yeah. you're going to have to get that rebuilt relatively soon. Yeah. And that's going to be probably another eight, eight grand. So that's that's a lot of money going into a used engine. Yeah. And then for the 28 grand, you could have a non wing and a wing car. Exactly. And run the UMSS for for the next ten years. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to rebuild it every year, every other year. I mean, they're reliable engines that aren't gonna just grenade one day and you're out an engine, you know. Right. Now back now back to i racing a little bit here. I've been following along and watching the videos. I haven't been watching them live because my work schedule doesn't allow me to do that. But I've been going back and watching them afterwards. And you had some difficulties at Williams Grove. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that. The iRacing thing, uh, the whole the whole deal, especially with the 360s, which is what we're running on iRacing, is all about setup and gearing. And if you're off by a single gear, you're going to be slow, especially at the bigger track, right. until it gets slick. And because everyone's got the same engine, everyone's got the same car, so it's all set up and gear and i'm not saying he's not the driver the driver has to drive in and put it in the right place and make sure they don't crash but right. you're going to be slow especially in qualifying um that's what happened to me i was off in the gear and um, we i just struggled in the heat race and started in the front of the c main and won that then transferred out of the b and then and once the track gets slow to williams go i'm pretty good at it i think it takes a lot of skill to run there it really separates the people who are you know good and people who are just using setups i guess you can say right. um, the, the top guys there's no way you're going to be able to catch them um you know craig kendra's got a sim team and the guy that led most of that race is on his team and you got just some outstanding drivers on iRacing that you're not going to catch and um, well, that uh, Brandon Eiler, Braden Eiler, Eiler yeah. he's, uh, I, I didn't see what happened to him at Williams Grove, but it, heck, he was out in front and running. I thought he was going to win it again, and I think that's kind of why I quit watching. Um, yeah, that was a whole last lap, last corner deal, and I felt bad for both the guys involved, but, I mean, that's just racing, I guess. And, I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it, 
you know, because uh, I'm I'm looking at the points sheet that, w- that was uh, posted on the on the Facebook page, mm-hmm. and right now the points leader looks like he finished third and third in yeah, the, in the first sure. two races, mm-hmm. and uh, well, Eiler's second. I mean, he won the first week, and then uh, whatever happened last week, but. Eiler looks like he's just, you know, he's he's a Pennsylvania boy, but um, he's just really smooth. Yeah, I mean, he won the Pro Series last night at Knox, so if you, if you pay attention to that, and, and that's that's the iRacing Pro Series. That's not a league. That's iRacing picking, the, I think it's like the top 50 or 60 drivers on the dirt platform for iRacing, and then they race against each other. Braden Eiler is very good. And he's one of the guys that I think I, if he were in a real sprint car, he would do just amazing in it because he has a lot of talent. And the fact that, you know, he just he knows where to put the car. He knows how to position himself so he doesn't get into crashes. He knows how to set up slide jobs. He knows how to set up cars just in general. He knows how to keep cars behind him. I mean, he's got that racing sense that you need to race, and he's – He's definitely got it, and there's there's multiple people on that sim that have it, and but I think Eiler, for one, has a very good sense of where he's at, and um, he, if he happens to win it, it would it'd be really cool to see what he can do in a real car. I, I was thinking the same thing because I I don't know much about the guy, but it would be really interesting to me to be able to see these guys get into an actual sprint car. I don't know if any of them ever raced a, a car or if they've ever been in a sprint car, but it'd be really interesting to me to see how well they transition. Yeah. From, you know, from, from staring at a simulator screen to actually being in the car. It, I, yeah. That transition is going to be really interesting to see. Well, I'm looking at the points right now, and I think there's maybe only two people in the top ten that have driven a real sprint car, if that. And I know Michael Sheridan's from Minnesota, so he he's been to Cedar Lake, and he you know he knows what the whole he knows what the whole series is about. So, I mean, Sheridan's right here. Um, he's got a lot of talented races for Brent Markson team. Um, okay. I mean, I think it'd be, you know, any one of these guys, if they can win it, they have the talent. I think the transition is going to be a little tough just because you're not just feeling it in your wheel because, you know, the force feedback and everything. You can feel yep. what the car is somewhat doing, but you feel it in your whole body and you have to be coordinated with your feet. Not saying you're not coordinated with your feet but the, on racing, but the whole, the whole thing with the, how the car drives is a little different because you – if you scrub brake, you just you just spin out way too easily um, on the sim. And, but in real life, it helps stabilize the car. So, I mean, that transition is going to be a little tough. But I feel like the guys, the guy that wins it is going to not going to have much of an issue transitioning because they have a lot of skill. Right. And I, I'm kind of interested to see how it works out. Um, whether he's just going to be thrown to the fire or if. We're going to take him somewhere and go, okay, here's your learning day. 
We'll get yeah. you used to the car before we throw you to the wolves and put you in an actual race, which I, I think would be the smart way to do it. But the logistics of that might be difficult to work out. Yeah. Um, I mean, even just figuring out how to start the car, because, I mean, that in itself is hard to learn. Um, you got to put the thing in gear and you got to control the car before the tires start rotating because, you know, a lot of compression and everything. They, they get a little wicked. Slides. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's tough. And figuring out what oil pressure to start at, it, it's just figuring out the, the mechanic, the ba- the basics, I guess you, want, you can say. And, you know, once you pull it off the track, like how to take it out of gear first and then shut it off. So shut it off with it in gear. I mean, I've done that before my first time in a sprint car. I shut it off with it in gear and the thing just like slid. So that was, I mean, it's all just getting coordinated and everything and figuring out like what the car is going to do, even just idling. So, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with that. Um, but I know when it comes to the race, especially by feature time, I think they will have, you'll see, you know, how, how talented these guys are, you know, that, that got this opportunity just because, you know, these guys, they don't have a ride in real life, but they've spent a lot of time in the sim, probably more time than any of us have spent in, you know. Right. I don't want to say I don't I don't want to say in real life, but I mean, the last few years they spent a lot more time in the sim than we have in the car. Right. You know, it, it's pretty easy to walk into the den or whatever and sit down and run for a couple hours, whereas yeah, you know, these guys don't all have a racetrack in their backyard. Yeah. You know, you can't just go out and have your buddy push you off in the sprint car and go make laps in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, also, the logistics of that would be terrible, too, because you have to pay for fuel and everything. Oh, yeah, I don't think that would be as painful as most people think it would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, alcohol is fairly inexpensive. What is it, a buck forty a gallon or something like that right now? I don't even know. I mean... I'm talking about methanol. Yeah. Methanol. I don't even know how much methanol costs for a gallon. All I know is 55-gallon drums. <laughs> well, it's still, it's yeah. uh, compared to the $9-a-gallon race gas. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think this deal is actually really a lot of good. Um, it gives guys something to do while they're waiting for the season to start, which right now is such an indefinite thing. Yeah. And it seems like it keeps getting moved around. Yeah. I don't want to say anything. I'd like to throw another one together. I mean, again, I have to talk to Kaylee and Ron and see what they want to do. But, I mean, if this thing goes on longer, the interest is just peaking now with the whole league and series and people are – you know, constant, not really constantly, but I'm getting a lot of messages per day on iRacing, on Facebook Messenger, and everything like that, just asking me about the series itself, um, you know, what the sprint cars are, uh, like what kind of engines are in them, you know, yep. just stuff like that. And it, it's not only going to be good for the drivers, it's going to be really good for the series because people are learning about and hearing about it. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's gonna draw us and create some interest with people that just i race because they don't have the financial wherewithal, for lack of mm-hmm. a better way to put it, to 
to actually feel yeah. the car. Yeah. Uh, but I think as they start seeing that uh, these cars are relatively inexpensive and that it's a, a, a racing class that's designed by the working man for the working man. Yeah. For the working family. Um, I think we're, we might actually pick some people up or we're actually at least going to put more butts in the seats at the racetracks. Yeah. Because they're going to want to come and see firsthand what it's all about and get to see the cars and talk to the people that are doing it. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope we draw some of the, especially the local iRacers here, but I mean, even some people that know the guy who wins it out, I'd hope that some of them come to watch to check it out. I mean, I don't know if people will do that or not, but I mean, I, I love to see people come and check out and see how the winner does in a real sprint car because, you know, that's, that's how they, that's kind of like their first shot in, in a real car, you know, and I think it'd be cool if you got people to come to the races and then talk to people after races, you know, it's not as expensive as you'd think to run with the UMSs and the Renegades compared to what you hear about 360s and 305s and 410s because it's it's not the same thing, you know. Right. It's it's a UMSs Renegades car. And I, and I've heard that some of these guys have got almost a sprint car's worth of money in their iRacing rigs. Oh, that's that's true. That's <laughs> very true. I mean, yeah, you, the rigs that uh, it's very expensive. I think they go like for Ten thousand just for the rig, and you see like what David Gravel's got. He's got a WR1 Simtrass. Yeah. Brian Brown's got it. I mean, those things are expensive, and you can go with motion rigs, and those are like sixty thousand dollars. I mean, those those are insane. I mean, if you put your money in that, you might as well go real racing. So, right. Um, yeah, because sixty you know, G's for a mobile rig in your house. Um, yeah. I don't know about you, but I think my family get a little insane about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know many people that have those, but it, that's that's a lot of money for a Sydney. And, you know, I was looking at the entry list, and there's actually, well, you and Jack Berger mm-hmm. and... Uh, Blake Anderson ran some. Yep. And I was trying to think of who else because I'm having a hell of a time reading this little tiny screen. <laughs> I'm an old guy, man. Come on. <laughs> but uh, where was I going with this? Uh, I know there, that there's been a couple of races where uh, um, Shane Hawkinson has been part of it and Ken Hawkinson. And Shane used to be a super stock driver at Grand Rapids. He still oh, yeah. lives there, and he's actually been uh, on our Facebook page looking at getting a sprint car and really? getting back into racing through the Renegades. And, you know, Shane was a pretty solid wheel in a, in a super stock. And so yeah. it would be interesting. It would be actually fun to see him back in a race car. Yeah. And I know he's been friends with Kaylee for a long time, him and Paul Schultz and uh, Schultz and I and Hawkinson all used to race super stocks at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it's, yeah, it, it's just, it's just, you know, pulling, 
pulling people from all different forms of racing into sprint cars kind of help because it's so cost effective. Um, you know, there's people that I've been hearing that, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't hear Hanson run like late models, modifies, something like that, not sprint cars. Um, he, he ran something that was not sprint cars. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, Harry was actually living in Southern California in the 60s. And okay. he, he ran a sprint car out there for a couple of years before he came up here. And then he started running modifieds back in the day when they were called modifieds and then moved into the late models. And he had a 40 plus year career uh, driving modifieds and, and late models in the area. And he's won a ton of races and a ton of championships and then uh, the sprint car deal came up and he's like let's do that (laughs) so they went and bought some triple x stuff and he came back out in the sprint car and uh, it it was interesting because (coughs) harry has always been a really strong competitor and had a lot of fun racing yeah and He's always been pretty vocal with likes and dislikes, uh, but watching him run the sprint cars and and get in, involved in this series, he was more relaxed, and he he was just a little bit different. But he was he was more relaxed and a little more outgoing, and looked like he was having a lot more fun racing. Yeah. You know, now lately, his wife's been getting on him a little bit about getting back into a late model, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah. If if you're running with Harry and making moves on him, you're making moves on a really good driver. Yeah. And yeah, it, it Harry teaches me a lot just by watching him. I mean, how smooth he is. Yep. In both the wing and the non-wing car, and he's very smooth. And he enters the corner so straight, especially in the wing car. And even in the non-wing, I mean, just the way he enters, and it, it's unbelievable how you can do that with such a low-powered sprint car. It seems like just because the more power you have in a sprint car, the more the more straight you can enter because you know you're going to have something to pull you out of that trouble. But the the way he trusts the car and the way he enters with the car, I mean, the, how fast he gets to the center of the corner. It's just unbelievable. I mean, it's better than anyone on the series right now, for sure. Just <laughs> if you look at it, it's it's unbelievable. Well, he does have a lot of years backing him up. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that does help. But <laughs> hell, he yeah. was driving. He was racing cars before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before my parents were even born, he was back in the sixties. So, <laughs> you know, so it's uh, you know. And Harry's just a super sweet guy. I mean, he's just he's he's really good humor to talk to, and uh, yeah, you know. But there there's a a whole bunch of guys like that in the series. I mean, even when you get in the UMSS stuff, uh, the Kubas, uh, they're all a bunch of really good people. Uh, yeah, and a long history of sprint cars. <laughs> long history of sprint cars. <laughs> Yeah, and Joe po- Joe uh, posted a picture the other day on Facebook, 
of some old sprint cars that he ran, which were the old open style with the bolt-on roll cages. You know, oh, the, wow. like, yeah, <laughs> these things were I, ancient. <laughs> I, I must have missed that because I didn't see that. <laughs> I think it was in one of the comments to a uh, to Matt Bowl. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, one of one of the on one of Matt's posts, it was in the comments, and it was it was just wow. <laughs> yeah, you've been around yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, speak, speaking of someone that really helps out with the sport, you know, Matt Bull is doing you know, everything he can to help grow not just sprint car racing, but racing in general in this area. I mean, he's doing everything he can. Yeah, he's he's gonna yell at me again for talking about him. <laughs> oh why why he, he deserves credit he, he's the guy that likes to be in the background he he loves the uh, sport enough he doesn't want the credit he just does the things to promote the sport and he got in my ear a little bit one time we talked about him before and said thank you to him and he he got a little mad at me. Well, Matt can text me and tell me it was my bad because I brought him up. <laughs> you know, but the, the, yeah, the the things he's done with Liquid Nitro and the other groups that he's involved with are amazing over the last few years. And yeah, you know, uh, the sport actually needs more people like him. Yeah, and. Yeah, it's just, and that's kind of, his mindset goes hand in hand with the Renegades brand. Because we all just want racing to be fun again, and affordable, and sustainable, and to grow the sport. Because it's what we all love. You know, so it's just. It's kind of natural to give credit where credit's due, I guess. It is, yeah. And I don't even think he gets enough credit for what he does. I mean, he's such an advocate for, you know, keeping racing local and supporting local race car drivers because your local and, business and local, local business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about it's all about that because without your local businesses, you, you probably won't have a whole lot of sponsors. Local racing and right. You know, he, he helps that out. He, he sponsors a lot of cars, and he does a lot of his video and camera work that's, you know, amazing for not being a professional photographer, I guess you could say. <laughs> right. Um, but, but, it, but he knows he, a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm, I met Matt for the first time. I think, I think we were at Superior the first time I met him. And he was having some problems with his camera, and we were talking. And he knew who I was before I ever knew who he was. And oh yeah, you know. <laughs> and we got talking. I said, "Well, what are you doing?" And he kind of, he's, I don't know. I said, "Well, here, try this." And he come back over a little bit later. He said, "Okay, now what do I do?" <laughs> I said, "Make adjustments, dude." <laughs> <laughs> you got to figure it out from here, but yeah, you know. <laughs> but we, we we've talked about it a lot. I know he's talked to a lot of other photographers that are <clears throat> really really good. Um, I know he's talked to JC Norgard a lot. Uh, he's really good friends with Buck Monson, and uh, 
uh, he's tied in with, he's really, really good friends with Mark Meeks. Yeah. And Mark does a lot of the, well, Mark does all this, all the video work at Cedar Lake and all, yeah. all his stuff gets tied in to speed shift and, you know, uh, but they, they share information and it's, yeah. Anyway, we should stop talking about Matt now. <laughs> but it, it's hard not to when you're talking about the sport and uh, the yeah. people that support it and the people that are doing the good things. You know, I got I got a lot of help from Chris Burback when I started taking pictures. And a guy named Alex Dieters. And, you know, they'd give me like one setting and say, figure it out. Here, put this setting in. Now figure the rest of it out. I'm like, Christ, thanks. But that actually <laughs> helped me a lot more than anything else. Because, <laughs> you know, I had to learn the stuff. Uh, but yeah, they, they'd give me one good setting and say, okay, now figure it out from there. And I'd show them one picture. I, I Proctor one night, I was talking to Chris Burback, and I showed him one picture. He says, what do you think of it? It's too bright or too dark? I said, well, too dark. He says, well, then make an adjustment until it's bright enough. Well, duh. Yeah. Okay, thanks. <laughs> you do that. But, <laughs> but it's all, if you learn it yourself, you'll retain it better right. than if someone just tells you. Right. It, it's, it's like you asking somebody for advice on getting into the corner. Yeah. And they ask you, what are you doing now? And you go through the thing and they say, well, why don't you try this? And then you're like, well, that kind of worked, but, well, figure it out. You know that this helped you a little bit. What else are you going to change? <laughs> you know, yeah, exa- like on that exact topic, I mean, last year when I first started the year, I was, again, I couldn't, I couldn't keep the car underneath me. Blake Anderson, you know, he raced carts with my dad and then raced with me. And he came over and was like, dude, you just got to, He's, he's telling me exactly what to do, when to do, and it helps so much, um, especially once you got the car figured out. And even when I we didn't have it figured out, it still helped just because he's driven a 360 wing. He's driven a wing UMSS car. He's driven a non-wing UMSS car. So he knows, you know, what's going to happen when you do this. And it helped to hear it from someone, you know, that's, that's done it before. But he still let me figure it out on my, my own. He, he wouldn't just tell me, you know, okay, you did this exactly wrong. You got to do this next time. He told me what he would do, and then he let me figure it out, and that helped the most. Right. Yeah, and it's sometimes it just takes that little bit of a push from somebody that says, hey, you're doing this, try doing this. Yeah. You know, exactly. um, I know I know. Uh, uh, Kaylee, uh, at the arriving drive last year, I think it was, managed to get on a race receiver when Tyler Wass was on the track and he got in Tyler's ear while he was on the track and saying, okay, that's kind of working, but drive it in deeper. Mm -hmm. Let the car get in deeper before you start doing that, you know, push that thing in, drive it harder. And then he, he, he said it was interesting because you could actually see Tyler's driving get better. And then afterwards, Tyler was all questions. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it helps you know you can literally hear it 
hear someone telling you what to do and do it the next corner. And I think that's a part of iRacing that really helps because you can race with friends and be in the same Discord channel and they can tell you like what's going on behind you, what to do next corner, and you can apply that to real life and be like, okay, well, if this was happening on iRacing, it's probably happening in real life behind me, and I can just change that up and, you know, right, just control what's behind me and control the car. Right. But then I don't know how well it transfers from the video game to real life as uh, as the track changes. I have no idea about that stuff. I don't do video games. Although I've been um, thinking about this iRacing thing, but I don't have the computer for it, so it's just... Oh. <laughs> you know, I got a MacBook Pro that I could use, but then I got to do that boot camp thing, and I don't. I really don't want to mess with the computer that way. <laughs> well, if if finding a computer is your issue, there's no issue in finding computers. I mean, <laughs> there's plenty of them used. You can build them yourself. I mean, if anyone looking to get into iRacing, just go onto like an iRacing form on Facebook, uh, like iRacing Flea Market or iRacing Classified or something like that. There will be plenty of, you know, computers, wheels, everything you need to get set up. I mean, rigs. Anything you need to get set up on iRacing, used, new, I mean, anything. It, and they're, they're usually better priced than what you find on Amazon or, you know, a, a PC shop or something like that. They're, they're people that know what, what they have, what they're doing, and they'll help you out with what you need. This sounds like a, sounds like a Renegades brand type of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's for iRacing, but it's, it's something... No, that's similar. And similar is part of simulation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know where the hell that came from, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carter, I'll let you get back to your day, and I am going to head off into mine. It's been great talking to you, great getting to know you, and good luck with the season if we get to it this year. And oh, I hope we do. Anybody else that wants to, tell them how they can get in touch with you on social media and get involved in this iRacing project. Um, probably the best way is to just message me on Facebook, um, Carter Chevalier or iRacing Fast Series on Facebook. Um, uh, I'll answer right away. Um, typically on my main page, if it's on the iRacing Fast Series, me and my girlfriend will message you because she's our admin on that page. We will message you relatively soon as soon as we see it. Um, we'll get you set up with whatever you need. Um, if that's just to get in the league, we'll get you in there. If it's to get, um, you know, sim stuff, I can point you in the right direction. I can, I know how to build a computer. I can build you a computer. Um, you know, just we'll get you set up with whatever you need. Um, there's plenty of people out there that are willing to help, and I'm one of them. Um, but there's plenty of people that are out there willing to help. And when is the next iRacing Series UMSS Renegades brand race on the computer this friday so the next two fridays we got the race and then next so the 24th is the finale and after the you know the points race feature is we're going to decide the champion um so that's going to be probably an extra 20 minutes after the race but it's going to be the same broadcast so dirt racing network is covering that and rocky does a great job um it's if you're in that league or if, if you know Roger, just 
send him your picture and he'll get your picture on his uh, little driver intro thing. Um, you can send in your sponsors, stuff like that, and he'll he'll broadcast it. He gets he gets plenty of viewers per night, so you're not just you know having it look cool in your car. You're getting your sponsors' names out there. And he does a good job calling the race during the show too. He does, yeah. Roger knows his stuff. You know, uh, the, the the Dirt Racing Network, the DRN on mm-hmm. Facebook, and you can tune in. What What's the race this week, 7 o'clock? Uh, 7.30 Central, 8.30 Eastern. 7.30 Central, 8.30 Eastern on the Dirt Racing Network on Facebook, and they actually broadcast the race live. So if you're interested yeah. in this iRacing deal and just wanted to check it out, Log into Facebook and get on the Dirt Racing Network page uh, about 7.30 Friday night, and you can watch the iRacing Sprint Car Series uh, and watch you guys kind of battle it out. (laughs) And we'll see if uh, Carter has a little better luck this week than he did last week. Although last week, yeah, you struggled in the heat, you won the semi, and you made a pretty good march forward in the feature. I don't even know where I finished, but it wasn't, it was mid-pack, so it wasn't great, but I think Knoxville's, Williams, you have a Knoxville on my best tracks, especially when you get slick, and Knoxville's the finale, and this week's Lima Land, so Lima Land's a little bull ring, with a lot of banking, so it should be interesting, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna change it up, because the first two tracks were kind of, you know, there's certain, certain type of skill that kind of carries over from both those tracks. This one's going to be a lot different. You're going to see probably different people running up front, not saying that the top guys aren't going to be up front, but um, you're probably going to see some drivers that you haven't seen in the front up front this week. Right. All right, Carter, it's been great. We will talk to you later. This is Randy with the Renegades on Dirt. For Carter Chevalier, TCB Speed North, Palmer's Tavern, Old World Meats, and Liquid Nitro Energy, we will see you next time. Thanks a lot. Thank you.